We're talking about the uh, the the man bun thing. I I don't think I ever really had a problem with the man bun. As as a guy who's balding, I'm kind of jealous of guys who can pull it off. Like the comic book guy. Uh yeah yeah well that's a that's a ponytail that's different that's like the nerd ponytail. It used to be a man bun until he started going bald and then it just kind of migrated. And you still see guys who are balding trying to pull off the ponytail, but it's like everybody can grow the fringe like around the sides of your head. It's on top. You're just drawing attention to the thing now. No, what we need is a return to the sort of like balding Fraser Crane look where it's completely short in the <laughs> yeah. front, but in the back, it's just like shoulder length. The Ben Franklin. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, the Ben Franklin. It's also uh, uh, on me because like when my fringe starts to grow out, all of my hair my entire life has just stood straight up. Um, so I start to look like a... I don't know, a, a mad scientist or something like that. Like, I really need to start going white so that I just have this, like, crazy halo fringe, like, blowing up all around my head. All the kids want to look like Bernie Sanders, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. <laughs> I, I actually did have something planned for, for the pre-show, though. Uh, has everybody seen the meme going around on Twitter about, like, trying to name your birthday buddy? Uh, like famous people from history who have your oh. same birthday. I don't know why I would give someone else that 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 power, like <laughs> to know my exact birth date. Rather than do that, I uh, looked at some astrology charts, and it turns out people born on my day are very dramatic and have something to prove in public. And I don't agree hmm. with that at all. And I will fight yeah. you right now for it. <laughs> oh, I'm Meet excited. Me in Times Square. God damn it! I, I just looked mine up, and man, some good ones. Yeah, what do you some got, good Brandon? Ones. Shia LaBeouf. Okay. Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage is cool. Hugh Laurie. All right. The late, great Gene Wilder. Oh, wow. Wow. So you were, uh, you were like really heavy into the like comedy and dramedy acting roles. Dr. Oz. (laughs) Brunette actors. (laughs) Well, he's also an actor. Oh, absolutely. He plays a doctor on TV. I Googled mine today and I got, uh, Bruce Willis. Hairspiration. Uh, yeah. (laughs) No, I I like Bruce. (laughs) Professor John McLean. Uh, honorary doctorate. Uh, I got Harvey Weinstein. Uh oh, going down, <laughs> going downhill. Uh, and then I got uh, Adolf Eichmann. I mean, okay. man, this is making me question some things about Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> what boards is he on? Has like, he what been, committees? Has he been canceled yet? We, I need to research some things. <laughs> no, but he did do that really, really weird quarantine photo. Yeah, he was like wearing a onesie and he's like, I'm quarantining with my ex-wife, Debbie Moore. It was like, uh. And they were all holding oversized spoons and like prison outfits. And you were like, oh, this is not good. (laughs) (laughs) Debbie Moore has imprisoned me. This is a cry for help. Welcome back to the Liquid Flannel Podcast from Arlington, Texas. I am Matthew Hodges, joined as ever by my excellent comrade and co-host in Omaha, Nebraska, Brendan Williams. Hello, Brendan. Hello, hello. I, You know, I tried to grow a quarantine beard, but after like three weeks, it was just way too itchy. Uh, I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. 
I couldn't push through. You had a beard going into quarantine, didn't you? Well, that's true. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let it free. I'm just going to, you know, liberate this beard. Right. Uh, but it had an outbreak of itchiness and I had to shut it back down. Yeah. You start to get that, that dry skin down in there. You got to like shampoo yeah, you and know, use like beard balms after a yeah, while. Yeah. You got to condition. You got to use beard oil. It's a process. Right. Once you grow the beard to a certain length, you got to really put the time and care into it. And, and I was not willing to accept that lifestyle. <laughs> so so what about you, uh, guest on our program, returning friend returning uh, from New York City, John Levitt? Are you uh, growing a quarantine beard? I've always had a beard since I was 10, basically. <laughs> so I decided to go in the opposite direction and I shaved it all down except for a mustache. And I sent it to a friend mm -hmm. who said... John, you know I love you and you're a deep friend, but the instant I saw this picture, all I thought was that you were going to billy club me to death. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, uh, our friend Mac, who we had on a few weeks ago, said that if you're a white guy who wants to wear just the mustache, you also have to wear stubble um, because otherwise people are going to mistake you for either a Pinkerton or a child molester. Yeah, no, I, I, I was surprised at like just how quickly, despite all of my commie credentials, I immediately just looked like a mean Irish cop. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a, it's a hurtful stereotype. But it is. It's a hurtful, accurate <laughs> stereotype. It's, it's based in trend, <laughs> for sure. That's why I'm not doing like, you know, what all the other gays are doing and getting like yeah. buzz cuts. I'm like, no, I need to counteract this right, mustache right. situation and grow like long. Have you considered yeah. making the mustache shorter? Uh, just kind of trimming in from the outside. <laughs> trimming in. See, and I was just going to say, I would like for the toothbrush mustache to come back, but I think that one's just a lost cause. Like Jordan tried to bring it back. If that didn't work, yeah. it's it. You can't. You just can't do it. Chris Evans, when he played an evil Irish cop in Lobby Hero, <laughs> couldn't make the mustache look good. So I don't think anyone is going to. But thankfully, no one has to look at it now because no one's leaving the house. Does Chris Evans even have any body hair? I, I would have. I would have assumed that he was like completely hairless from the eyebrows down. You're talking to an expert in Chris Evans' body presentation, <laughs> and let me tell you, not only does he have body hair, he has several incredible incredibly embarrassing tattoos oh okay all right no you get a dish though i mean does he have like the uh like the three percenter tattoo <laughs> he's kicking for, for no. mississippi or whatever no no he has like uh so fucking hail hydra shit yeah, yeah no um he's not being written by spencer uh he's got uh like some quotes from some like uh Feel good, new agey philosopher types on oh, his bicep. He's got like a live, laugh, love, uh, tramp stamp. No, like, he's, in he's extremely basic, and that's why we love him. He's our nice Boston boy. Yeah. <laughs> no, you see, he's Hollywood's perfect himbo. He's, he's great. Yeah, I didn't realize he had the tattoo. Remember when Ben Affleck revealed that he had like a full back tattoo of like a fucking space oh, dragon yeah. or whatever? What and then the hell he was going it? on there? And then he denied it. He said it was part of a role, but then it was like seen and <laughs> was candid. Yeah, no, that's right. And he he looks like he's a, method, he looks bro. like one of those uh, like 1970s panel vans with like the D and D like airbrushed <laughs> shit on yeah, it. He's airbrushed. Yeah, he was like it was for a girl with the dragon tattoo, but I, I read the script wrong. I was very drunk at the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's why I love Ben Affleck as a media figure because like he's the represent he's the avatar of like privileged white male depression like he's every quarterback who has fallen on hard times every picture that you see of him that like tmz gets or any of the paparazzi it's just like 
it's the most like struggle hours like he just looks fucking miserable in life all the time he was the guy and i didn't even realize this when i saw that picture going around twitter he was the guy he was smoking with a face mask on but only covering his nose so that he continued <laughs> he to never smoke. looks like he's having a good time and if you listen to the director's commentary for Gone Girl, David Fincher basically just roasts him for that the entire time and saying like, yeah, uh, I hired him because like he's really good at being sneaky and miserable. Yeah, he is the the perfect embodiment of why you should never actually have your dreams fulfilled. <laughs> yeah, he is why you shouldn't peak at 25. <laughs> <laughs> ben, ben Affleck living monkey's paw fable yeah he was like I'm gonna be a famous Hollywood actor what if I'm gonna even play Batman I'm gonna be Batman and then my life is gonna be awesome and I'm gonna just love it and then he just he sings Mr. Jones on an acoustic guitar alone in the dark forever <laughs> oh fuck that's so good okay we, we should probably talk oh. about some news oh we should start uh, the, the show let's roll yeah, it in yeah okay we'll, we'll roll this in yeah so uh texas is geared up for reopening from the uh COVID-19. i got you beat nebraska never closed Never even closed. <laughs> Never even closed. But yeah, we're supposed to reopen here in the next couple of days. It's the the guidance Tomorrow, from on high has been kind of vague about, you know, how that's actually going to work. But um, yeah, so, you know, everybody, the, the long statewide nightmare is over. We, we can all go back to work. Everybody can go back to work now. The, the nightmare of qualifying for unemployment that you weren't getting anyway Yep. Uh, but, you know, now there's no chance of you getting it because they're going to just say, like, well, why don't you just go get one of those jobs at the... Yeah, uh, just go work. The job yeah, why don't factory. you go work at the Amazon uh, warehouse where everyone uh, works 17-hour days and then dies of the flu. You, <laughs> yeah, Brendan, Brendan, can you flesh that out a little bit more for, for listeners who don't know exactly what, what we're referring to there? Yeah, I mean, there's a... You know, it's funny that we say, like, oh, it's been shut down. The shutdown's going to end, you know. If you worked in an essential industry... There was no shutdown for you. You you've right. never you've probably been working some of the longest and hardest days of your life during the quote shutdown. One hundred percent. So it's uh it's kind of funny now that they're like, oh well, we're gonna open it back up. Did, what do you think that that means? And yeah, to me, it, it just seems like it means like, oh, well, we can then start denying people unemployment again because they don't have a valid reason that they're not working because, hey, Everything's open. Yeah, and that's that's ultimately the thing I was getting at, too. You know, we saw guidance from uh, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton a couple of weeks ago that, like, uh, the Texas, like, disability unemployment uh, did not cover people who had not had the, the Rona but were afraid of getting it at work. Um, and nationwide, I think you've seen a push for – uh, like businesses and and like like you observe, Brennan, a lot of the actually essential businesses have been open in this entire time. Um, now we're talking about like restaurant workers and bar workers and people who work retail going back to work, not because the risk of the virus is gone, but because states have gotten tired of paying out of their unemployment insurance fund. And so now if you say like, no, we're open, then... If somebody says, no, I still don't feel safe going back to work, 
they can say like, well, that's that's elective. You don't your choice, right? As I've mentioned, I, I don't want to sound like a moon bat, but these are the times we live in. You know, the difference between we were so incompetent, we completely mishandled the pandemic response, and we kind of secretly wanted this response (laughs) is, like, the result is the same. So it's hard not to see how this is like, well, either we deliberately tried to kill a whole bunch of poor people, or we're totally okay with a whole bunch of poor people dying, but in the end... um, I'm sorry, the dead Kennedys were right about everything. Kill, 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 kill the poor. Uh, John, I, I seriously thought about doing an episode of The Breadline that was like, let's just take The Breadline podcast in a completely like conspiracy theory direction that the reason they wanted uh, <laughs> like small towns to catch all of this, you know, and tell them to reopen so that all of the old people die off is so that corporations can sweep in, kill off the small towns, buy up all of that remaining farmland and then just, you know, add that to their food commodity chain monopoly that they've that they're already running. Well, you know, if you like if you believe as I do with Sarah Shulman's theory in the gentrification of the mind that, you know, the AIDS epidemic was in fact a passive genocide in order to get rid of people the ruling class just didn't like or care for. Yeah, you could definitely see that. I mean, here in New York, most of the neighborhoods, like there's a direct one-to-one correlation between deaths from COVID and poverty. And there are certainly a lot of real estate real estate developers looking at these death rates and salivating. Sure. And you know what? During the AIDS epidemic, we lost the record number of rent-stabilized housing because a lot of people died and then didn't have heirs to pass it on to, which meant it went back into market rates so yeah you had a lot of people who were just like yeah i'm not gonna help these dying people i'll have like super rich apartments i can send later well that's what i'm saying like i i would like to do an episode about that for the breadline and make it out like i'm some sort of like tinfoil hat like alex jones nut or something but i actually kind of believe it at this point like they they want you know they, they had they had a guy on npr tonight talking about how like businesses around here have to open again because everybody's going to lose the farm. Literally, they're going to lose the farm if stuff doesn't open around us. And it's like, man, you can stay closed or you can reopen prematurely and all die off. It's all going to serve the people who actually own society, who actually want that to happen. They want you to either go bankrupt or they want you to fuck off. They want you to die or they want you to go bankrupt, but they want you to fuck off so that they can buy up your your farmland, your your remaining little like marginal farmland at below market rates, and then you know just do what they continue to do, and you can you can extrapolate that to every fucking sector of the economy right now. Yeah, well, I, I don't even think it's tin hatty because like this is exactly what uh, capitalism in crisis does. These boom and bust cycles are part of it because it allows it creates a situation where the really big interests can sweep in and buy up everything at fire sale rates during a crash and then become even bigger. It's all consolidation. You saw it in 08. You saw it in 82. You saw it in 1990. Well, you saw it in the fucking Gilded Age, yeah. too. They they loved that. They loved for there to, for there to be a disaster to break out. I mean... It's the, it's the Great Bubble Factory. You can go back to the 1918 pandemic and look at the way that wealth consolidated during that period also. Yeah, no, it's it's fun to be doing a speed run of the late 19th, early 20th century. 
<laughs> while simultaneously doing a speed run of the crisis of the third century. And it, and it's no mystery, like what's causing this, right? Because, you know, they can even just say, well, look, I, I don't, I don't want this to happen. But if you think that I'm not going to take advantage of the situation, I'm legally obligated to buy my corporate charter and my shareholders to make as much money as possible, you know? So it's not my fault if it's more profitable to bulldoze low-income housing and build luxury apartments for millionaires to use, you know, once a month on the weekend or something like that. That's just the more profitable thing to do. So my hands are tied. I've been having real Cassandra hours recently, which I think is, <laughs> is, it's different from blackpilling because like, these are thoughts I've had for the last five years, John. For for any of our listeners who don't get the reference, what do you mean by <laughs> what do you mean by Cassandra when you use Cassandra it was the ancient Greek mythology figure who was cursed to always be correct <laughs> but never believed. Yep. So she was constantly prophesying, you know, having this prophetic visions that no one would ever listen to. A couple while back, I was thinking about the crises of capital and like historically, in the broad terms, how capitalism has responded to crises. Crises, whatever, Crises. you know what I mean. <laughs> Words are difficult, and I haven't <laughs> spoken like out loud to other people in a while. So. Crisises. Crisises. <laughs> um, the first response was to move in location. Like you would move the factories and the means of production away from the rapidly unionizing and centralized cities, first to the south in the united states and then to the global south and you would just chase the tiger of like low rents and low low wages and low regulation and when that hit kind of a wall in the 80s you moved the crisis of capitalism out into time you you would borrow money and credit you would extend credit and not raise wages you would uh, and also continue to push the externalities of that sort of labor and that sort of production onto the developing global south um, right, so, but it would uh, it would become increasingly abstract and increasingly like, well, we're going to take all this money out of your children's future, not necessarily yours, and we'll right. we'll buoy that rising uh, standard of living based on this sort of credit floating. And I always wondered what the third crisis would be, and I honestly think it's moving it out of reality. <laughs> like, who are you going to believe? Me or your lying eyes? Oh, yeah. You really see that with the rise of, like, cults and conspiracies and even, like, in the Democrat side where they're calling, like, Chris Hayes needs to be fired because he's saying mean Yeah, things. I want to I come back to that. I, I want to come back to the, like, mm -hmm. the Biden and Tara Reid stuff and what we're seeing with the value of hashtag me too or whatever. But, Brendan, you had something you wanted to say. Uh, I mean, you can see it even in the, uh, in the way that they're treating like the food supply and stuff like that right where like you're seeing these stories of like oh, all the potato farmers they just don't they can't sell enough uh, french fries because no one's uh you know hitting up mcdonald's on their lunch break anymore and stuff like that so they're just letting all these potatoes rot you know at the same time that they've got food lines uh where they run out of food to give people at the food pantry and stuff like that so yeah. um everybody knows what the problem is but when you've got a system that's so divorced from reality it's so easy for things not to make sense and for you to just go like, well, that's just the way that's that's the way it works. If you can't sell the potatoes, what are you going to do? You can't give them away. Then you'll never be profitable again um, and just devalue it. And the Republicans are also doing this right now with money itself, right? They are just printing money hand over fist like 
money is a meaningless uh, number on a piece of paper that doesn't exist in reality. <laughs> it's, it's almost like it was that way right. the entire time. Until they are not in charge of it anymore, and then it's not that, right? Then it's not an invisible right. magical number. on. Then it's a crushing burden for all of society and your children and grandchildren that needs to be remedied right away by cutting even further and hurting the poor and the people who are suffering and who need the support even worse. They're not even hiding it. They're they're not even hiding it. But the problem, Brennan, is that it's not just the Republicans doing this, but also you see a lot of Democrats already kind of pre-pivoting, like assuming that they're going to take over the presidency, getting ready to start implementing things like PAYGO, which is like, you know, you can't have a new government program unless there's tax revenue to pay for it. Um to try to like beat down the deficit. So they're already, they're pre-negotiating themselves out of, you know, out of this position that like nobody fucking cares right now. Like nobody cares that the, the Fed can inject a trillion dollars worth of liquidity into the stock market Every in two weeks. month or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and ultimately it doesn't matter because all of these things are just, it's just numbers on paper. That are, that are kind of circulating around. A refusal to deal with reality, like material reality no longer exists. What only exists is what, like, you're being told from on high. And again, like, not to be the stereotypical leftist who goes, ah, but Adam <laughs> Curtis. But seriously, we're kind of living in the era where there's an official reality and a real reality, and we're told to only accept one, and we can only bring up one version of reality in public. Like, you can't really say in public, you guys, we only have like seven years until we can't die. Oh, I don't well, know. They've well, been saying yeah. that forever. <laughs> but, but John, I, I, I mean, I think you're completely right. A, a good example of this was the recent article um, from Jacobin, which said uh, basically like the the American like liberal left ignores the reopen the economy uh, protests at their peril. Um, and everybody took it to uh, all of the bad faith interlocutors, the the usual people, your joys and read and whatnot, you know, wanted to talk about how like, oh, look, you know, Jacobin once again, like siding with the like racist Trump people. And the article itself was making the argument that people are incredibly economically fucking stressed out right now. So, of course, they're protesting. And if they're getting a boost from, like, billionaires who want them to go back to work because it affects their bottom line or the the value of the shares that they hold in the corporations that are currently out of business, like, that makes that movement all the more stronger regardless of of whether or not it's a good idea to like reopen economies right now. Um, Jacob Midrum's right. They, they were right to say like, we need to, the, the broader national dialogue about politics and specifically economic politics needs to be oriented around making sure that people can stay home and not be panicking about how they're going to pay the bills, how they're going to make their healthcare premium or whatever. Uh, it it speaks to the the deeper economic malaise in the country that this whole thing is just amplified, you know, up to the level right. where you have people protesting out there 
and maybe they don't even really recognize like the material reasons that they're protesting, but they know that they're fucking freaked out. Right. At least the Republicans are giving you an answer, right? You're saying like, I don't know what I'm going to do if they continue this quarantine and I can't work. I don't know what right. I'm going to do. And the Republicans say- And that's say, a completely legitimate yeah. fucking thing to worry and about. And you could look at the Republicans and say, well, we have the answer. Stop it, right? We'll just stop it. And that'll fix it. And they go, okay, well, that's yeah. the solution. Well, what are the Democrats saying? I don't know. We'll do another bailout again, maybe in a couple weeks. Uh, we'll see how it goes, you know? We're not even going to fucking convene Congress for another, like, three weeks from now. From now when we're recording this episode. This is going to be one of those rare occasions where, like, <laughs> we get to name a thing in the news and we don't over the weekend. It, it changes. Oh, I'm us. so glad to hear that they uh, reopened Congress after hearing our episode and uh, put, solved all the problems. Um, right. we, we, we called it again. <laughs> There's going to be, like, a ton of strikes and boycotts planned for uh for tomorrow like the day after this recording so by the time you hear this we may be in a worker's paradise in which case right. good for you good for us yeah let's let's take a little break there when we come back i would like to talk about um some of the worker oriented actions that have been happening um some of the ones that were planned for may day uh which is tomorrow after this recording um and then maybe come back around to uh Joe Biden a little bit. So uh let's take a break there. Sounds good. And we will come back for all of that, hopefully. President Donald Trump said on Wednesday that the White House Coronavirus Task Force would remain in place a day after saying it would be replaced with something different. We'll have something in a different form. And Trump said he would announce new members of the task force by Monday. I thought we could wind it down sooner, but I had no idea how popular the task force is until actually yesterday. When I started talking about winding it down, I'd get calls from very respected people saying, I think it would be better to keep it going. It's done such a good job. It's a respected task force. It's, uh, it's very respected. People said we should keep it going. On Tuesday, Trump visited Arizona, where he toured a mask manufacturing facility without wearing one as the Guns N' Roses cover of Live and Let Die blared over the factory's PA system. Okay, so um, something that came to my attention on Twitter, I know, but it's it's like what Chris Creswold uh, said, it's where we're all going to live in the future, so it's important to pay attention to it, is <laughs> the place where we're all shall live, is that someone posted a series of covers of george magazine from the mid 90s and if you don't know this george magazine was a political magazine oh, was this george bush's out... magazine george w bush no <laughs> george no blah, 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 blah. not george you're infecting me with your words Brendan. <laughs> it was, was it george 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 plimpton's magazine yeah. <laughs> jfk jr's magazine what the fuck <laughs> Oh, the QAnon magazine. The Q, it yeah. was QAnon quarterly. he faked his death and became like a Q figure. Um, <laughs> why was it called George? Do we, do we know why it was called George? Because of George Washington. A that's duh. A stupid, uh, uh, right. That's and, a, like, and, and here's the thing. Like, if you're like me, you were like too young to realize what this was. But like it came out in the, like the mid ninety like nineteen ninety six nineteen ninety seven. It was like a, it was like the maxim for uh, fucking like shit libs. Right, but here's the thing: if you uh, like look centerfolds at these and fucking covers, like Katie Couric and shit, yeah. 
Right. But if you look at these covers and you look at these headlines and these bylines, it's like watching the plague boobles appear in society. <laughs> like this is some real bit by a zombie shit. Like you can right. see exa- these are so cursed. It's just like Elizabeth Dole gets ready for her close up. Right, yeah, no. Oprah dumped Monica. John it's got, Kennedy it's and got Mike fucking, Curry uh, take down Jesse Ventura. Yeah, it's got fucking uh, Katie Couric dressed up like uh, Gillian Anderson in the Us magazine cover for uh, for the X-Files, where they <laughs> yeah, like, right. like and, gender swapped her. Yeah. And in that, they have an interview with Colin Powell, you know, the guy who got us the Iraq war, next to a big interview with Ellen and John <laughs> Stossel. Now, hold on. Like, all of these people are, like, well, you know, like, reasonable liberal voices. Never mind that, you know, they've been wrong about literally everything. But Yeah, but it's, like, 20 years. There's literally a cover story, Joe Lieberman, Democrat of the future. No. Oh, man. Legends of the Senate, photographs by Herb Rich. (laughs) Herb Ritz. It's like Dur- like this is when politics became fandom because it was an admission that politics no longer matters because yeah, governments George, can't do anything. George Magazine executive editor Nostra fucking Damis. Oh <laughs> yeah, my or, god! Or look at this, Monica Lewinsky's so-called life by Mary oh, Sleeping with the boss. Why not by Naomi Wolf? <laughs> Why Hillary still stands by her man by Elizabeth Wurzel. That was fucking Naomi Naomi Wolf. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. missed the, the yeah. you missed this log line on the top. Uh, top ten tax revolts and five new tax breaks. <laughs> no, Good it's lord. Like, it's it's like if GQ was for neoliberalism. Oh my god! It's amazing. Oh oh yeah and. Tom Hanks is a rocket scientist. I am convinced Tom Hanks has some children in his basement because there's no reason <laughs> we've we would try that theory. hard. I don't know. I don't know. Pre- I, I don't know press. about. I don't know about Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks seems like I don't know from everything that everybody says about him and everything that he ever posts about himself. He seems like just kind of a dorky guy who's good at acting like certain character roles. Who collects typewriters? That's what he, he wants you to be, think. He's the king of the I Illuminati. Oh God! I don't get it. I don't is, believe is, this whole Hollywood to is typewriter to code politics timeline. Is time typewriter line. code? Is typewriter code for like eight year old? <laughs> it could be. I don't even think it's like. Look, I'm trying not to be a conspiracy theorist, but I'm just saying. I keep seeing all this positive press, and I'm just like, we're about six months away from learning something really bone chilling about this person, aren't we? Yeah. Aren't they they're they're making a vaccine out of his blood at this at this moment. If you if you take How is this a normal timeline? If you take the plot of Big and you just flip it around, it's pretty messed up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's a if messed you take up the movie. plot of Big and just look at it as the plot of Big, it's pretty messed up. Right, but like <laughs> The last thing I want to say about George Magazine, and again, oh, it's God. like it, it, it's really nailing on the head the like systemic problems we have in politics right now, because like we can only view politics as fandom and as a kind of celebrity cult, and that's yeah, sure, because team, team, team sports. Yeah, and it's partly because like Democrats got so incredibly cozy with 
the whole celebrity system, partly because and as a response to the fact of like the Telecom Act making these big media consolidation properties huge donors to them. So like it's really important that they become embedded in celebrity culture is sure. this 1996 cover issue of George Magazine, which unusual for them only has one log line it's a big portrait of donald trump that says the secret behind trump's political fling get involved with the trumpster outstanding <laughs> oh, they know ins- everything man yeah they they even anticipated the hashtag trumpster man. trumpster fire i believe yeah. in QAnon now it's real it's yeah. the only explanation that for why this magazine is is so prescient where was there like a Joe Biden 2020 issue in like 1996? You know, I bet that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure if you went in the archives, you'd probably find like Joe Biden, Democrats, secret weapon. Yeah. <laughs> well, what happened? I mean, do we know what happened to the the editors of George magazine? Were they all just uh, were they all well, just disappeared? Well, one of them ended up in uh, the ocean. So. <laughs> yeah, there was. They all died in a plane crash. Is what I is what I heard. Jesus Christ! They were on the way to uh, to to make a uh, an ad deal with uh, Philip Morris and uh, just oh, mysteriously. Man, our, our, our conspiracy theorist, sometimes co-host Chuck, is going to be so mad that he missed out on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> he 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 can do a response episode. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, while while we're on the topic, though, I mean, it, it, if if we have to bring up Joe Biden in a discussion, we've got we to must. talk about. We must. I don't know the Democratic Party primaries and. I don't know. It's bad to speak ill of the dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but <laughs> John, you must be really looking forward though to uh, getting to cast your. Vo- oh wait, wait a minute. Oh yeah, that's right, John. You live in New York. Your your primary has been canceled. How did you, how, how did you feel about that? Hashtag canceled. Well, it. It would have been nice to vote um, as a member of the second largest democratic state and the largest city in the country. Uh, but, you know, I guess our betters just know what's good for us. Now, a couple of things. Yeah. Now, a couple of things happen right in order. Right. First, they announced that they were removing Bernie Sanders from the presidential primary ballot. And then they canceled the presidential primary altogether. They probably yes. realized that they couldn't reprint it. They were like, we printed the ballots uh, weeks ago, guys. Like, we can't do that. And they were like, oh, shit. Uh, uh, just cancel uh, the whole thing. Shut it down. Shut it down Shut it down. And they, they did this just, like, literally, I believe, four days after they announced that they would do, like, all-in voting by mail. Well, that was the thing. Uh, even even everybody's uh, like hashtag Cuomo sexual like new boyfie had said that like we'll just send everybody a mail in ballot, right? So any any concern about people showing up at at uh, polling places, which they didn't exercise in say places like Florida or Illinois. Um, or Wisconsin, which now has or, like 30, or 40 new cases oh among yeah, poll no, workers. Exactly, exactly right. Um, like even that wasn't really – that wasn't really an excuse. It was like, no, everybody's just going to fucking send those things in. Not to uh, diminish the value of the lives of postal workers who were also essential workers and getting exposed to this shit all the time. Uh, hashtag fund the post office. But – 
Hashtag postal banking. Hashtag postal banking. Hashtag. Let's just take the. Let's, let's make the post office take over the entire fucking government. Or at least Amazon. Sure. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm mean, John. I know that you were a person who who takes this kind of thing seriously and would not want to trivialize or turn into a team sport something like a credible allegation of sexual assault by one of the major parties nominees for president so where does this leave us well it's just i mean when it comes to the new york state thing it it really points out the characteristics of cuomo's corruption and new york state democrat corruption because like we don't even have a one-party state we have a zero party state yeah and it's that like not only is it corrupt it's insanely incompetent at being corrupt so like they can't even cover it up well or like they don't feel like they have to <laughs> yeah, we'll cover see, it uh, up the the tv trope like evil is stupid or something <laughs> yeah no and it's you know it it reminds you a lot about like reading about like communist romania where there would just be one party and they would just fuck up constantly and no one would care or get but you know it's just hard to imagine that anything matters anymore (laughs) yeah i i get what you mean i mean it, it is like they they're they don't even just like the republicans they don't even try to like hide what they're doing like I'm, I'm starting to feel the same way about the democrats too is like they're just like oh well you know the results in iowa ah, ah, well, well, well just incompetent sorry you know uh what voting like let's just do it in the most incompetent ways possible like maybe we should vote by maybe we'll just shut it down you know a week before it's supposed to happen like they're not even trying to come up with valid sensical sounding reasons where even the people who are on their side could be able to say like well no i i actually think uh it's a good it's a good decision yeah, they did, like they did what they could based on the the conditions that they right. were dealing with they something. don't even try to do it they just say like oh you know well we could vote by mail or we could do this or we could do that or we uh, but uh, whatever like let's just uh let's just shut the whole thing down you know in a in a giant shit show um it's a fucking I- joke and in, internally within New York State, like, we know that the reason this whole primary thing was done was in order to depress down-ballot down votes because we actually have a large number of primaries in play hmm. this year. And hmm, that it, makes sense. It's, it's something I said a lot. I was like, here's what you want to know if you want to know about, like, the National Democratic Party. They know... And we know that if there was expanded voting access, expanded rights to vote, you know, all the various ways that could be achieved, they would probably win every election because the Republicans are actually very unpopular when you get down. Like even more moderate Democrats are more popular in most races than a moderate Republican. 
But the thing is, if they do that, that opens up a lot more primary challenges, particularly in big Democratic Party strongholds mm. like Illinois, like New York, like California. So they would rather just not win right. rather than have to deal with something that would fuck up their favor system, which is how the whole internal league thing works. Right. So, like... <sighs> And that makes I don't sense. know how like, you deal with that. Th- that it makes sense because I have long wondered, like, what is the Democrats' hesitancy to get behind just saying, you know what, vote by mail. That's just how it works now. It's just that's what we support. Everybody should just vote by mail all the time. It's a better system. It's a more fair. It's a more equitable system, and it benefits them politically. But you're right; it doesn't benefit them politically in some of those strongholds where they're vulnerable to being primaried, like with AOC, right? And if you can make it even easier to vote, you're even more vulnerable to a primary challenge who's attracting a larger group of people who haven't been historically politically engaged. I'm, what- I'm sorry, Vernon, are you are you saying that the Democratic commitment to voter access and like broader uh, voter representation um, ends up being more of a, a vehicle of political expedience for them and not a thing that is actually uh, sort of a, a like Kantian um, a Kant somebody, somebody like that. <laughs> well I think if they really wanted to do it they would be much more they would actually be advocating for it where right now it just seems like they're very wishy-washy like joe biden's not saying vote by mail they, he's saying no we it. need to run in, in person elections they Nancy love Pelosi's it when it helps it. them they they love it when it helps them they hate it when it does not help them right. or at least are are not in favor right. of promoting that thing when it doesn't help them yeah like nancy pelosi has like made some like statements saying like oh yeah maybe vote by mail or whatever it's like okay well where's the fucking bill like pass the bill tomorrow like like if you want it to happen make it fucking happen and categorical then- imperative that's what i was trying to fucking think of <laughs> Look, all you have to know about um, the Democrats as a national level party, I I know it's different in different states and at different levels, which is why we can't abandon electoralism, especially not in the local level, is that they viscerally hate their most popular politicians. Do they, I mean, do they hate them? Internally? Internally? uh, Not to be speaking out of class. They hate AOC. They've always hated Bernie Sanders for working competition. They even really don't like Katie Hill. Yeah, yeah, John. uh, uh, I was having a conversation on a, a Slack yesterday, and someone was talking about, like, oh, maybe... You know, like even if Trump won in 2020, it would open up the the spot for a real progressive in 2024. And it was like, no, the bench is empty. There's nobody there. And somebody promoted AOC and was like, I I don't know, man. I think that AOC is dead in the water in 2024. I think that I think that like white liberal like wine moms hate her almost as much as like wrap around sunglasses like thirsty guys on twitter no and it's just i mean it's not even that you don't even have to go with 
populations. You have to go with like the internal establishment of the party. And this is something we saw well, it's a thing it's in, fucking, the, in the Labour Party in the UK where they actively sabotaged a campaign to the oh, point that was were, amazing. That was to amazing. To the point where see? they were taking out Facebook ads targeted Specific, at the people in the office to make specifically them specifically targeted Facebook ads. Like, I'm gonna buy a Facebook ad that only goes to five people, but it needs to be these exact five people to make them think that we're not like rat fucking them behind the scenes. I mean, if you read, I mean, I didn't read it, but I did listen to some extremely interminable Scottish podcasts about it, where they went through it like literally line by line. It was the have... it was the horror vanguard guys. <laughs> no, that would be entertaining. Uh, they went through it, and they John, were like, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to like take a crack at the lit crit guys, but. Yeah. <laughs> No, he's fine. We'll all just cast a spell against you and all your crops will fail. But, like, you, you read these WhatsApp group members of, like, these Labor Party officials who saying they were throwing up when Labor won in 2017 because that's not what they wanted and bragging about how, like, they don't do any work all day and they're just pretending to work. And, like, you know, they're doing all the things they they accuse the left of doing, like, you know, putting a whole bunch of funds into... Uh, seats they know they were going to win and deliberately removing them from marginals. But the thing that always got me was just how bitchy they were. They kept talking about, like, I really don't like this one chancellor. I mean, she's really fat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, God, and you've seen the same thing. uh, You know, people have observed that in the, uh, like, American Democratic uh, presidential primary that, like, all of the people who were ostensibly fans of who is the ostensible winner right now seem to be spending a lot of time just kind of shitting on all of their haters right now. Uh, they're, they're way more interested in winning uh, like the the Twitter battle than they are in actually winning the thing. And they get very upset when you say like, why are you yelling at me? Like, I'm, I'm a fucking... 4,000 follower nobody like shouldn't you be making phone calls right. and they're like no fuck you like they get that's, so that, upset that's what, when you suggest that's what every, that's what every Bernie bro always says to me is like shouldn't you be like making phone calls right, right. now like fuck you and it's like if your whole political argument was that like Joe Biden is, is more electable because he's more appealing to a broader subset of the democratic party and of centrists and of independents with fucking bernie bros online well or i mean look fucking convincing a bernie bro to vote for joe biden is fucking easy mode comparing a trump voter to convince joe to to vote for joe biden right like yeah if they're a bernie voter they're ostensibly already a democrat already have voted for democrats supported democrats in the past you know things like that if they voted for Trump, they're not necessarily already inclined to support Democrats. So if you can't even win over Democratic-leaning people that are supposedly on your side with yeah, any nine, type of 95% argumentation, of fucking Bernie, what the fuck are you supposed to do? 95% of Bernie voters in the primary in 2016 voted for Hillary Clinton. Like, that's a, that's a more or less locked-in electorate. But... You've made your entire argument about 
we need to win over the like suburban uh like republican wine moms who are like frustrated with trump like why aren't you talking to them stop yelling at fucking brianna gray joy online and start engaging with like i don't know ben shapiro supporters or something well it's the same thing it's it it goes back to George Magazine. It's all politics is a forum war now, and all politics is fandom now, so we're all just arguing over who you ship in Supernatural. Yeah. Well, and I empathize for them, too, because, like, what are they supposed to say? You know, like, what 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 is the argument that they would give to a Trump-leaning voter, hey, vote for Joe? I, I don't know what it is, so I can't I blame them the for not knowing what it is. I don't even know the argument they give for someone who's like non-aligned or who doesn't normally vote because those are the people who brought the Obama victory. It's right. like, well, what do you want? Do you want things to get uh, slightly worse or very worse? Um, <laughs> well, I made that I made that joke on Twitter the other day that uh, like Tara Reid is one of the best things that could have possibly happened to oh, yeah. like Joe Biden shit libs because – they only know politics from a position of playing defense, attacking their attackers. Um, they they don't want to actually, you know, actively advocate for anything, like proactively, you know, push forward a, a policy position or anything like that. So this is this is actually good. It's, it'll be it'll be Hillary Clinton in twenty sixteen redux trying to relitigate like the email server or whatever and it's going to go exactly as well for them as it went in 2016 yeah no time is a flat circle event history cannot go forward it can only just get slightly worse with each iteration and there are no consequences to any actions oh are you talking about the space jam 2 poster is that what we're talking about oh hell yeah <laughs> All right, let's take, let's take a break there, y'all. <laughs> I am dead, and this is hell. <laughs> we're all we're all in hell. And uh, no, uh, John, did you see that comic that floated around today? That was like, "Am I in hell?" And I was like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> and it's like, "Well, uh, I I keep doing these things, and they never result in any positive outcome." And the guy was like, "No, I." Uh, like in hell, at least you have the resignation, the comfort in resignation that nothing that you ever do is going to help. <laughs> Truly, this is worse. Truly, this is worse. <laughs> and with that. Truly, this is worse. With that. <laughs> it's time for the high notes, everybody. So who was that guy getting so much attention from the media this morning? By George? That was John, as in John F. Kennedy Jr., and to sort this out just a little bit further, George is the name of a magazine he started. Bertha Coombs has details. The premiere issue of George looks red hot, with supermodel Cindy Crawford on the cover and a lot of big-name advertisers inside. A very big launch in no small part because John F. Kennedy Jr. is editor-in-chief. Certainly it helps and it draws attention and what any new launch needs is that. Uh, but ultimately this magazine is going to stand or fall on whether or not it's a good magazine. The magazine aims for a hip look at politics without heavy partisan ideology. What it won't have is gossip about Paul's or John Jr., who addressed rumors of his engagement to girlfriend Caroline Bassett right off the bat. 
the answers to the most frequently asked personal questions are as follows. Yes, no, we're merely good friends, none of your business. Honest, she's my cousin from Rhode Island. I've worn both, maybe someday, but not in New Jersey. John Jr. seemed to enjoy the banter with the press much as his father Jack did in the White House. If his mother Jackie were still alive, he says she'd enjoy seeing him succeed. I think that uh, my mother would be mildly bemused. I think that she'd be glad that she wasn't standing up here. <laughs> And I think that she'd be very proud. Kennedy and his partners say launching George has been stressful, but success is taking the edge off. The first two issues have more than 100 pages of advertising, and already they're planning to make the bi-monthly magazine a monthly venture after the first year. In Lower Manhattan, I'm Bertha Coombs, Channel 7, Eyewitness News. Uh, George, we'll have to see if it works. And that's Eyewitness News at 5. Thanks for tuning in. For uh, What's Your Name and Sam Champion and the rest of the Eyewitness News team, I'm Greg Hurst. The news continues now. So high notes. Well, no, ended, you guys ended pretty low Phantom, there. You were talking about uh, Broadway, all sorts of stuff. We don't have to yeah. stop talking about we that. We were talking is... about nonsense. We can just get into high notes. Okay. We were talking about how, you know, for our high note... Um, you know, Hamilton's dead. Um, they killed it. <laughs> Coronavirus has finally... Um, that In the Heights movie is going to come out soon. Uh, it's gonna bring Lin-Manuel it Miranda uh, died from the COVID. Let's be honest, no movie is coming out ever. So, just... Yeah. I, I look forward to Lin-Manuel still playing... Um, Hamilton, even though he's going to be like 56 when they finally make the movie, he's going to like do the Marvel CGI where it makes him look young again. <laughs> I've been kind of getting back into Hamilton a little bit, but also any like YouTube video you can find of the performance. It's just I heard. embarrassing. Like Lin-Manuel is such a poor actor. <laughs> now, Matt, <laughs> Matt, you've been watching the uh, the broadway streaming or, or the west end or whatever uh, did I, you I knew watch that it, i knew that it was going on okay they recently ran andrew lloyd weber's superstar phantom of the opera oh, 2 yeah. uh which i forget the Love name never of. Dies. phantom takes manhattan <laughs> <laughs> phantom of the Love opera never in dies. space John, have you seen have you seen this beautiful play? I mean, it, I have, I, it's not I, have only, I think it only ran for a short time. I have time. only read like summaries of it, but it, it is basically Phantom of the Opera fanfic. It is the worst Phantom of the Opera fanfic imaginable, and it was written by <laughs> Andrew Lloyd fucking Webber. Did I tell you guys my Andrew Lloyd Webber story? You're doing. You're going to do it right now. Okay, so I was. <laughs> are we going to? Are, I'm sorry, John. Are we going to have to have Chris Hayes, you know, ask for <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber's, uh, like, 30-year-old files in order to corroborate this? Are we going to... Uh, no, because... Uh, like, am I going to have to look at, like, Joanne Reed and Zini Jardin um, talking about, like, how... how John Levitt is not a reliable narrator about what happened between him... <laughs> No, and uh, and Andrew Lloyd Webber. No, because he is not related to it directly, only tangentially. <clears throat> oh, oh, okay, okay. It's a fun story. So, uh, me and my husband were out in London. Uh, oh God, literally centuries ago. 
based on like what mental space it was in. (laughs) And whenever we were out in like Tony London areas, you know, like Belgravia, Bond Street, like West, West End spaces, he would get like deferential treatment. And on more than one occasion, we had drinks and appetizers Mm. sent to us. And I think when we were at Langan's, uh, we were sent to what was essentially a private room. And I was wondering, why is this happening? (laughs) What is going on? And he was just like, well, you know, maybe it's just something that happens. And it wasn't... Or possibly a knight of the Rome thought that you were kind of cute. (laughs) well yeah it's like i wanted to know who the fuck is doing this and how can i exploit them so i and it was only then that i realized that i I opened up like the newspaper one day at uh fortnum and mason's when i was overhearing some truly appalling upper class breakfast conversations uh that i found out that andrew lloyd weber and his family had like come to europe not Europe, London, like very quickly to like do a vote to make being poor illegal. And <laughs> they were all in town. And I looked at one of them and I'm like, oh my God, my husband is a dead ringer for his son. No, that's <laughs> oh amazing. my oh, God. What? Yeah. So apparently they thought I was just screwing Andrew Lloyd Webber's son. And I immediately thought, oh no, we should talented Mr. Ripley him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be the best. You could be like, uh, Mr. Weber, uh, please hear me out. Phantom of the, I know it sounds crazy. Phantom of the Opera 3, baby. No, even, Phantom even better in than space. That. Even better than that. Uh, they could have gone around to like every like London eatery and been like, yeah, this is Andrew Lloyd Weber's son. Uh, can we. Excuse me, Lord Weber. He's Whatever. a lord in the house. He's a sir. He's a sir. He's not a lord. No, he's Discretion, a lord. please. Yeah. Is he a lord? Yeah, he's a peer of the realm. Jesus That's why Christ. he was in London. In order to vote. I don't think I don't think getting knighted makes you a fucking lord. Like he, he doesn't get to go into the House of Lords. No, he does. Like he's literally a voting member. Like that's why what? he was in town. No, fuck around. Are you kidding? Yeah, no, like, like, he was literally in town to, like, vote down, like, to vote down a bunch of, like, prosperity bills to the poor Matt, because, he's, like, he's, like, this Matt, rancid I know, conservative. I know that this is anathema to you as an American, but in Britain, they actually have a system where one of their houses of parliamentary government is literally just fuck off rich people that I, I don't even think get elected. <laughs> I understand what the fucking House of Lords is. I didn't think they get ignited by the Queen. Gave you voting rights. No, it's not just like, like it's a separate land process. Or whatever. Yeah. But he's done both. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it's just like if you own a bunch of land and shit, then you just have the you just have the votes or whatever. It's, right. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Well, let's go into high notes, low notes. <laughs> since we, we don't since we've already talked how I notes. scammed my way through the West End. We don't, we so, don't do high Starlight notes, Starlight Express. No. Uh, it's great. <laughs> we need a revival. It needs to be terribly realistic. Real trains. Fucking. Look, roller skates <laughs> have come back in a big way while everybody's been under quarantine. So that's okay. Cars 4. Cars, Twilight, no, Twilight literally, Express. Cars 4, Starlight Express, the trains are now fucking. Oh. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, oh, God, uh, we're all punch drunk from COVID. Like, high notes, low notes, go. I'm just well, straight for up my, drunk. 
for my high note, uh, I have been uh, working on uh, a, a mudroom home improvement project. It's nearing completion. It looks amazing. It turned out pretty nice. I'm very excited. Once I get these boards all stained and uh, everything all painted up real good, I'm, I'm gonna do that final fit, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be looking real nice. Uh, and uh, I'm very very excited about it. Yeah, the the pictures that you've been posting to Twitter look amazing. It's it looks like really nice home improvement stuff. You know, way better than a lot of people's uh, attempts at say like making sourdough bread or something have been on Twitter. I'm including myself in that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna get down on anybody who is uh, trying to to nail together some some plywood. Uh, and make what a furniture out of it so you know you got to start somewhere you know uh more power to you yeah well it's great that might be the uh the episode image <laughs> for this episode <laughs> brendan brendan building a nice uh mudroom little what do you call that what do you call it a little nook yeah little little shoe cubbies sure. some 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 coat hookies um Right now, uh, it's like in like when you open the door from the garage, it's like right on the wall there. So it just like all the crap is just everywhere. It's it's a terrible system. So I'm very excited to remedy that. What do you got, John? What, what do you got for? Well, my hi- uh, high note for my us. high note is all about municipalism. So real Murray Bookchin hours. It's okay. that um, the city. The city of New York has expanded its free meal program that they were handing out uh, through the public school systems because no one's going to public schools under lockdown now, but they still have this huge food infrastructure. So they just mm. decided, we'll, we'll just hand out free food that we would normally do, although it's, it's, more, it's mostly food to eat somewhere else so it's a little more shelf stable than they normally would that's not the point the point is they've expanded it immensely and it's non-means testing you don't need to have id you don't need to prove that you have under whatever income level you don't even have to prove that like you live in the city even it's just here's the time and place we will be giving out you can take three meals that you want here you go and I think that's a tremendous thing that we, like, you know, as socialists, as communists, as anarchists, as leftists of any stripe, we can use that as a germ to build off, you know, greater movements. It could be the little little dirt in the oyster we used to make a pearl. I saw a similar thing today um, where a couple of Muslims were running a food cart. It was like, here's the amount of food that we can uh make to feed i think they said 250 people Mm -hmm. right um to break you know because all of our muslim friends are in ramadan right now where you fast fast until sundown and then you just like eat and drink and uh make merry and pray together or whatever Um, presumably not drink well, no, probably not. <laughs> water. water. Uh, drink, drink water. They, they drink a shitload of coffee. Come on, John. I'm not being uh, xenophobic here. Yeah, Mountain Dew. Okay, they're, they're kids too. Yeah, no, okay. exactly right. Thank you, Brennan. <laughs> All I'm saying is they made this food cart 
that was capable of feeding 250 people every single night mm-hmm. during the month of Ramadan. And that's just the, that's what they're doing right now. They're, you know, they're, they're practicing, I'm sure smart social distancing or whatever, but they're also providing food for 250 people. That's amazing. Right. And like the thing that makes me, excited about this is that it is a city-run project that is like it is a municipal project and therefore it's something we can argue should continue to exist after this crisis because we're like well they already did it and it worked why don't we just keep doing it why don't we expand it well that's what the anarchists are always saying right it's like build community resiliency build mutual support networks and it turns out that we don't need any of this electoral shit like it turns out we don't even need to talk about uh like whether or not joe biden raped a woman like 25 years ago or whatever like we're building our own communities up we could still we could still talk about it though that doesn't mean you shouldn't talk i'm not saying you shouldn't (laughs) talk about it i'm saying like in terms of the all right, all right, all right. <laughs> I mean, it seems what, what? kind of pointless to talk about it. Because all of the electoral politics seem kind of pointless right now. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a tough time. But, uh, Matt, it all falls to you. Yeah, I had this one. So um, somebody posted this video, and I thought that it would be fun for... Uh, Brendan and John and I to all watch this together. All right, um, okay, so tell us when to hit play. Have the video. Okay, um, this is a this is a video entitled "Every COVID nineteen commercial is exactly the same," and we're gonna hit play in three, two, one, go. All right, so it's a uh, somber piano music plays. Um. Which is true. We're seeing Publix and Grubhub, and I'm fi- my heart is feeling touched, yeah. but also light. I'm so worried well, yeah, about I'm... all the minor keys of all the keyboards in the world are just going to be worn <laughs> out after this. I'm I'm actually really happy for anybody who's like a like a stay at home, uh, like quarantined keyboardist because they've gotten a lot of work out of this. I think that is true. I mean, I have to say, like. You know, the ad executive interns uh, that have been turning out these ads pulled from, like, YouTube footage (laughs) have really been crushing. They've been putting in some long hours. These are mandatory essential workers. I I love the... uh, I mean, it's just, like, weird pictures of, like, people during the Great Depression and stuff, but it's from, like, Lexus and Grubhub. And whatnot. It's like, no, no, like the people, the people are are the thing. People, 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 people. Hey, remember the Communist Party? Wait, no. (laughs) Hey, remember remember the Great Strike of 1946? No, don't remember that. Right. (laughs) What do you think the combined, like, media spend for all these fucking we're helping people commercials is? $10 billion? 
a hundred yeah, billion less, dollars? Less, like, less I don't even that. know. No money doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I mean, with, uh, with, yeah, with the stock market down, Brandon, you could probably get all this done for, like, $500 million. That's true. They probably put these commercials together on Fiverr. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah there's yeah, a lot absolutely. of freelancers, just being like, like, video producers. Yeah, just go grab some B-roll of some vaguely inspirational shots of fucking sunsets right, and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just put, like, hey, we're, uh, don't forget to fucking buy a phone in her car like, uh, we are here we are here like it's it's really easy to say we are here even though the the ad is coming from fucking target which shuts down every unionization effort that ever like pops up you know we are here you know what this really reminds me of are here this really reminds me of that 30 Rock episode with Steve Martin where he described the commercials his company was making. Sunset, Moonflower, Wind Power, Chinese Word. And that's great because uh, reality is just becoming 30 Rock now. Uh, the New York City mayor announced he was basically doing the salute to fireworks thing. Oh my god, yes! Together. Together. Yeah, his together. fucking wall together. of masks together. or whatever. Together. Oh no, that was the governor. They're both awful. And <laughs> they're both awful and they both hate each other and it's great because it's like, oh no, right-wing neoliberal hates left-wing neoliberal. Well, I think it's I think it's amazing to watch all of these corporations say like, you know, we're going to get through this together when most of the uh, most of the corporations involved are like actively opposed to unionization you know we're gonna we'll, get we'll through this together by which i mean without yeah. you yeah, yeah as long as you keep paying your phone bill uh thank you for <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh otherwise like we're shutting that shit so down so i right know that it's, yeah i know that it's not exactly a high note um <laughs> but it did it did bring me a great amount of like hilarious joy today to watch this um, kind of supercut. Well, I, uh, I think so. it's a high note because it like it really cements and shows the ridiculousness and falseness and uh, paper tiger nature of corporate America. It's like, wow, it doesn't really take a lot for you to become completely irrelevant, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's uh, the South Park thing after the um, the the oil spill in the Gulf, right? It was like. We're sorry. We're sorry. You know, like laying, <laughs> laying next to a like an open fireplace, like naked and like greasing up his own ass. You know, yeah, it's We're not. Sorry. It's not like oil is negative forty dollars or something, <laughs> right? Speaking of Texas, does We're... Dallas just cease to exist after that happens? Um. Yeah. No. We'll we'll see. Uh. You know. Now that. No. Now no, that, Joe Biden's going to bail them out. Don't worry, now, guys. They're, they're going to be fine. Now that they've opened everything back up, we will see if everybody dies in um, like two months. No, well, uh, they'll they'll change. They'll they'll take Chief Saddles, Chief Seattle's oration, and we'll figure out a way to eat oil. <laughs> I think that's it uh, for the for the main for the main show everybody um john lovett thank you for being with us where can people find you 
Hey, I'm obnoxiously on Twitter because what else are you going to do when the world ends at at Levitt Alone, L-E-A-V-I-T-T, Alone, uh, same thing, .com for my portfolio site. And you can also find, if you do a Google search, a bunch of videos of me like at a DSA talent show and <laughs> shit. That's it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, meantime, of course, we are Liquid Flannel. You can follow us at Liquid Flannel at liquid underscore flannel on Twitter and also yeah, get it right yeah okay and also <laughs> at, <laughs> um, at patreon.com slash liquid flannel pod liquid flannel show on Patreon but anyway we should probably we know that, all by that. Now. Ah, nah nah that's fine it doesn't matter and no it, it actually doesn't matter because we waived all of the uh, subscription fees so if you like listening to our show we have bonus episodes that we're just making free for right now uh, because we have we, we have liberated that, the podcast yeah, because we know that you are also out of work like we are uh, I'm certainly out of work I'm Matthew uh, at Matt the Goit with the W and Brendan Williams is not out of work but he is still on Twitter uh, um, overworked uh, and under-twittered <laughs> at Brendan Williams with one L. And that's it. I, I think uh, I think we owe one more round of thanks to our friend John Lovett for being on the show. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me. And that'll be it. That'll be it for us. <laughs> <laughs>